All right. So life's better connected, right? Life's better connected in groups, but we also just, the disclaimer, getting connected in the life groups, being in a life group, it's hard, right? But it's so good. And so again, just as, as maybe you've tried life groups before, maybe you've tried and not been able to get connected, keep trying. Um, because it is all those things. Right? It's like, oh, it's such a happy video. And it is. It's good. Um, and it's worth it. And so I just want to just encourage you uh, to, to get connected. Life is better together. And we were, we were called and made to be in community. So um, let's try this. <laughs> all right. Well, this morning uh, we're, we're continuing through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we started in Ephesians back, way back in the fall. And we're, we're in chapter 4. So uh, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open up to chapter 4. If you've got your Bible app, you can open up that as well. Uh, Ephesians 4. And, and uh, we're, we're picking up right where Pastor Matt left off last week. And we've got a, a whopping three verses today. So you can tell why it's taken us a long time to get through Ephesians, but it's good. All right, so uh, let's go, go through this together. Let's see if, if my clicker's going to work. All right, we're, we're talking this morning as we continue through Ephesians. We're talking about this idea of what it means to, to live in this new identity. All right? Last week, Pastor Matt talked about putting off the, the old man and putting on the new man, this new identity. We're, we're just going to dig into that. Uh, the verses today bring us in a little bit more uh, into that. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 27. And it says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Can I go? There you go. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So Ephesians 4, 25 through 27. All right, and so this is where uh, in, in Ephesians, Paul kind of goes through this, right? That that he starts out kind of vague. What Paul, or what Pastor Matt talked about as, as we were going through the, the Ephesians, the middle of that chapter, right, that we had this idea of putting off the old man and putting on the new. It worked out great because, right, it was the first sermon in uh, 2021, right, New Year's message. Great idea, right? A great concept for that time, right? There. Here's the old way of doing things. Don't do that anymore. Be, be live into this new identity. Right? And so it, it, it's a great message, and it it's just continues on through these next verses. And really, what we see is that Paul just starts out, it's, it's kind of big picture, broad idea. And what we see in these verses that we just read, and what we'll see actually in the next couple weeks as we continue through, is that it's, it's, it's almost like Paul then just dives down into the details. Right? It's almost like, here's, a, here's some case studies. You're, here's this big idea, put off the old man, put on the new man. And now let's, let's talk about what that actually looks like. Right, let's, let's look into this, this new identity. What does it actually mean for us to live into this new identity? All right, and so we have these, uh, these two new case studies that we're going to look at. And they're, and they're both really, really simple. Right? They're both super simple ideas. Right? In, in uh, verse 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Okay? Don't lie. Pretty simple. Right? And, and the next command is, is again, the same in, in its simpleness, right? In your anger, do not sin. Right? And both of these are really straightforward commands. 
And, and we can look through, and, and, and I'll, I'll point to a couple, but throughout Scripture, they're repeated over and over and over and over again. Right? There's lots of, def- it's not like these are just some random things. These, are, these are, are hit on a lot. But we often try to defend our sin or excuse it. And, and I think our simple behavior, oftentimes, we work really, really, really hard to get out of having to live like Jesus did. And so I want to take a moment and, and look at, at each of these, right? So we'll start with don't lie. Right? Again, simple command. This is one of the Ten Commandments. Right? If you're like trying to run through them in your mind, it's number nine. Okay? And it's one of the easy ones to remember because it's don't lie. It's really pretty easy. Um, right? But it's, it's, you know, Exodus 20, 16, right? And, and it's, it's, right, we tell our kids this all the time. It's a simple concept. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Right? But rather than obeying, right, we, we just jump over the 90% of, of honesty that's like cut and dry. And, and we try to, to, to set up these like sticky questions or sticky situations where we can try to excuse it or, or confuse it and like just muddy the water. Right? So rather than being like, oh yeah, tell the truth, don't lie, got it. Well, let, let's, let's, let's play with this a little bit. Right? Let's have some fun. So we create these situations, right? So we're like, oh yeah, do you, do you, there's, this, there's this killer. Right? He's like one of the worst serial killers ever, and like, he just, no mercy. Anybody he sees, he kills them, and he breaks into your house. Right? This guy is bad. He's wanted like all over the world. He's horrible. He's, he's got a temper. He's got, he's got gingivitis. Like, he's bad. Right? We like, make him as horrible as we can. Right? And we're like, so you're at your home, and you hear him break in, so everybody hides, and everybody scatters and hides, and, and he comes in. As he goes through the house, he finds you, and he drags you out. And as he's about to kill you, he's like, is there anybody else in the house? Well, what do you do? Hey, you lie. Like, nope, nobody else here. Right, right? But you're like, well, wait, no, the Bible says don't lie. So you're like, nope, sorry, yeah, there's actually six other people here. One's under the couch. There's two. They're like, no, right? We, so we're like, well, but look, so see, lying saves lives. Right? We, we just, we muddy the water. Right? And we, we try to defend our sin. We try to excuse it, and, and we try to get out of having to obey the Word of God, right? We create these situations, right? Lying saves lives, right? That's, that, that's what we get. Like, now this is online forever. People just heard me say that, right? No. Like, but that's the way we go, but, but that's not what the Bible says, right? The Bible's really, really clear. And there's a ton of verses. Matthew 5, 37, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Proverbs 12, or there's, and actually you can just go through the Proverbs, there's a, a million of them. But Proverbs 12, God says that he detests lying lips. John 8, 44, Jesus says that the devil is the father of lies. Right? That's, that's what lying, right? That's actually, lying's an easy one. Go, this week, go on Google and just put like Bible verses lying. And there's like hundreds of them, right? Psalms and Proverbs are just repeat with it, right? God hates lying. As followers of Jesus living in the earth, don't lie. We should be telling the truth. Right? We just know that, right? Whether, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you tell that to your kids all the time. Don't lie to me, right? We, we know this to be true. But we try to, 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 to muddle the water again, right? Because... If it's simple, then we've got to obey it. But if we get confusing or start to defend or excuse our behavior, then we're good to go, right? And we can get out of things. 
The next one's a little bit more confusing, but still, I think it's pretty simple. Don't sin in your anger. Right? <laughs> it says it really simple. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Right? And we got to start this off by saying, anger isn't sin. Anger is an emotion. And we all have emotions. Where anger comes in is, is what we get angry about and what we do in our anger. Because when we sin, we sin when we respond to our anger inappropriately. And so as followers of Jesus, is living this new way that Paul's telling us in Ephesians, right? Putting off the old, putting on the new, we're told to not sin in our anger. And so I think as Christians, our, our like initial response is like, oh, when anybody talks about sinning in anger, well, it's like an anger in general, like our, our first, again, because we do the same thing. Rather than just simply obey, we want to like, let's... Let's confuse things a little bit. Right, let's, let's muddy the waters. And so we go to the story of Jesus in the temple. Matthew 21, verses 12 through, yeah, Matthew 21, verses 12 through 13. It tells the story when Jesus goes into the temple. And as he goes into the temple, he sees all the, all the, all the money changes. They've, they've turned the temple courts into this whole business enterprise. And it's just filled with fraudulent people who are taking advantage of the people who are trying to fulfill the law. Who are coming and coming to worship God. And, and in, in their place are these people who are taking advantage of them and, and making a whole business. Making money off of people. And just ruin everything. And, and Jesus gets angry. And so when we read that story, we're like, that's one of the, a lot of people like love the story. Like, yeah, look at Jesus go. Right? Jesus sees this and he gets angry, and in his anger, he, he makes this whip and he starts flipping tables over and driving people out of the temple. It's like, yeah, that's the Jesus I like to see. Right? He's 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 doing something. Right? We get excited about it because then we still know, like, well, we see that, but then we read on in scripture, and, and, and the Bible is so clear that Jesus was without sin. So even in that moment when he was acting out in his anger, he was doing it without sin. And it was holy and just. And so we're like, see, Jesus can do it, so can we. So let's get angry and, and riot or something. Right? So again, we use Jesus' example to excuse our actions for anger. But I think there's a, whole, there's a whole lot to this, right? Because let's, let's be honest. The majority of the time we get angry, it's not about righteous things. Right? Jesus got angry when he saw the abuse of the temple and we saw people being mistreated and he saw injustice and he got angry when he saw God's temple being defamed. But what are the things we get angry about? Right, what are the things that we get angry about? What are the things that drive us to anger? And are they righteous and just? And it, as I was looking at this, I was reading through Matthew Henry's commentary. And, and, and I love the way that he put it because he, he lays it down. Here's the really, really simple way to make sure that you never get angry wrong. Ready? Here it is. If we would be angry and not sin... We must be angry at nothing but sin. And we should be more jealous for the glory of God than for any interest or reputation of our own. Did you catch that? 
The only thing that should make us angry, right? If, if we want to say, claim that we are, we're, we're just in our anger, that we have righteous anger, then the only thing that we should get angry about is sin. And we should be more jealous for the glory of God than for ourselves. Right? But the reality is, if we're honest, the majority of the time that we get angry, it's because we've been hurt. It's our pride has been hurt. Or, or we're getting, like, my Seahawks lost last night and I got angry right? It was righteous though, right? <laughs> right? Like we get angry about stuff like that, right? Those things that, that don't matter, like that's where we, what's, the, what's at the root of our anger? So how often is our anger just? And then what do we do with it, right? How do we act on our anger? Anger is defined as a secondary emotion, right? Something else causes our anger. We feel something and then, we res- then anger comes secondary, Right? And so what is it that causes it? And then what do we do in our anger? Right? Don't sin in our anger. Right? And so we look at Jesus and we see what he did. But, but look at what else Jesus' righteous anger caused him to do. In, the, in that same passage, right? that's during the, the Holy Week that Jesus is there. As he enters the city, what does Jesus do when he looks down on Jerusalem and he knows all the sinful people in Jerusalem, what does he do? He weeps over Jerusalem and he says, like, how, like a mother hen, that he wishes he could just draw them under his wing. Like Jesus' anger over their sin caused him just to weep for the city. And then shortly after we see Jesus in the temple, what do we see? We see Jesus going to the cross. Right? That Jesus' anger over sin led him to the point where he knew the only cure for sin was his sacrifice. And he was willing to sacrifice himself for those people. And again, you can do the same thing. You can go and look. Psalms and Proverbs are just full of, of warnings and cautions about, about our anger. And again, so this is with both of these case studies, right? Don't lie. Don't sit in your anger. They're, they're fairly cut and dry, but we, we try to, to muddle them and, and we try to excuse our own sinful nature. As we move forward, again, I think we just kind of, we, we flew over both of those really quick, right? We didn't spend a lot of time in depth with either of them, but I think we, there, there's, there's more to these and how they come together and what, what ties them together. And I think it comes to this simple question, what's the cause of our sin, right? Why do we lie? Why do we act out in anger, right? Why do we revert back to the, the old man, as, as Paul puts it here in Ephesians, right? Why do we act that way? And I think there's a, a lot of reasons, right? There, each of us have unique reasons why we do it, but right, we do it, so much of it is for protection, right? That, that we feel attacked, we feel hurt, and so we defend ourselves in sin, Right? We cover things up, but we lie about things. We try to make ourselves look better so that we fit in. Or, or maybe we uh, will kind of fudge things a little bit right, so that, that we look better. Or, or maybe we want to protect ourselves like, oh, man, those Seahawks were horrible. Did you like the Seahawks? I'm like, no, not really. Right? Like, we can just lie about it because we don't want to look bad. So we cover it up. To, we protect ourselves. We do the same thing in anger, right? It's, we try to cover up shame or guilt or embarrassment or pride. And at the root of, of all of this, right, we sin because we're trying to, to cover up for our shortcomings or misgivings. And that's really what Paul is writing about as he talks about living in the, the old way, in this, the old man. 
the way that you used to live, when you were kind of, you felt like you were on your own, you had to defend yourself. But you see, at the core of those things no longer are an issue when we truly understand our identity in Christ. And really, that's, that's the problem that we run into. That's the problem that we go through as, as we deal with this because we treat it like it's a scorecard, right? Life's a scorecard. We've got this balance, right, of, of how many times that we tell the truth or how many times that we don't get angry or, or don't sin in our anger, right? A lot of you right now, you're using the Bible app to, to follow along, right? I, I, I love the Bible app. My wife, Emma, and I, we do a bunch of like reading plans. And so this last year we did a reading plan where we read through the Bible in a year. Right? And we do it every night. We'd, we'd listen to the couple chapters, whatever it was, and we'd listen to it together. And so I, I don't know if you've noticed, when you open up the Bible app, there's like a little feature on the front page where it has like streaks. Right? It tells you how many consecutive days you've been in your Bible app and how many like full weeks or that kind of stuff. Well, because we did this year plan, like I had this awesome streak, right? Like, I, we, we made it through. We did it last year. We read through the Bible in a year, right? We, well, we listened to the Bible in a year, right? But we went through the whole Bible. It was great. And so we had this, I had this amazing couple hundred days in a row consecutively open up the Bible app. It felt great, right? Well, after Christmas, uh, we went and we spent a couple days with Emily's parents. And I don't know about you guys, but when we get together with family, we do this thing where we like stay up ridiculously late, and so we did that, and then as we're going to bed, open up the Bible app and hit play. But guess what time I opened up the Bible app? 12.01. All right? And so that streak I had goes back to one. And you guys are laughing at me. It hurt. Right? But that's the way we treat things, right? But here's the thing. It was God like, oh, man, look at Mark and Emily. They didn't open their Bible app today. Right? No, because that's not, it wasn't, it's not a measurement, like that. it's not a scorecard, and yet that's how we often do things, and that's the way we feel when we act, when we live in, in the old man, we, we have this scale, right? That here's the good stuff, here's the bad stuff, right? On, on this side over here, the good side, you've got telling the truth. Every time we're telling the truth, we keep loading up this side, and, and if we lie over here, so we've got to make sure we load up this side more than lies, and then like those, those white lies, right, where we saved a whole bunch of lives, those they just sit in the middle, right? They don't affect the scale, right? Because the honesty is okay, but saving lives is important or something, right? So we, we defend things that way, right? And same thing in anger, right? When I was able to keep my cool, that's good over here, but if I, if I lose it, that goes over here. And then again, righteous anger, right? When I get mad about something that was just or something, right? That some, again, sometimes somewhere in the middle, right? We, we defend things this way, and we're just always trying to play this balancing act with a scorecard. Right? But that's not the way it is. Right? And just a couple chapters ago in Ephesians 2, right? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, Paul lays out really clearly, right? It's not by works. It's nothing we've done. Right? But we're saved by the grace of God. And so we got to stop playing this balancing. we got to quit playing this scorecard game because that's not the way it is. It's rebirth. It's a new creation. We're a new creation. That's what Paul's talking about. Stop living according to the old man. Put on the new man. It's this new identity. Right? It's a complete character change. Well, the Bible tells us that we're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. 
We're told to put off the, new, the old man. We are made new. And these instructions, these case studies that we're going through is helping us understand this new cultural identity, this new way of life. All right? And so we have this, right? You get the good old caterpillar turning into a butterfly, right? This complete transformation. And I don't remember the, the moment I learned that these two things are the same animal, right? Because we wouldn't imagine that, right? Because there's this complete change. But what would we think about if, if a butterfly, after going through that whole metamorphic process, and just chooses to live as a caterpillar and spend the rest of its life crawling around, eating leaves, and, and never flew? Right? Never flew away from danger. Right? Didn't, didn't live into its new life. We, we would just say that's foolishness, and yet that's what this is for us. We're in new creation. We've, we have been completely transformed. And so as Christians, when we live in our old way of life, we, we are like a butterfly who just pretend to be a caterpillar. And actually, this, this isn't exactly how it is. When you look at how Paul describes it in his other letters in Galatians 2, 19, to 19 and 20, he says this, for, the, yeah, excuse me, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so, yeah, this, this image here, the, the caterpillar and the butterfly, it, it, it helps. But really what Paul's saying is that our old self, we were crucified with Christ. Our old self has died and we are made new with Christ. And so when we're talking about living according to the old pattern of life. It's like we go to that gravesite and we dig up the coffin of our old life and we open it up. And we pull out the rotting carcass of our old self and drape it over ourselves like a cloak and go around living that way. Right, which is a little bit more graphic than a butterfly crawling around, but I think it, it helps paint this picture. Right? That, that's the reality of it. As followers of Jesus, if we have been made new, then we should, there should be, we should be repulsed by the way that we used to live. Right? We shouldn't want to do that. It's, it's disgusting to live according to our old self because our identity has been completely changed. It's not about how good we are about keeping the rules. It's not how good we are about, about managing our tongue or managing our anger. It's simply this. We have a new identity. And those ways are no longer the ways that we operate. Because this is, no, this is the way of Christ. Christ. And if we want to be imitators of Christ, we want to follow in his footsteps. We want, to, we want to be like him because we've been made new in him. And so as we, we look at this all, we, we come to, the, here's the, the big idea from this passage. Right? We need to understand and be grounded in our identity in Christ. Right? It's not about here's some more rules, make sure you're following them. It's understand your identity. And the understanding our identity, it really comes back to, man, that's the whole first half of Ephesians. The first three chapters as Paul was, was defining us, helping us understand what it means to be made new in Christ. What is, what is our identity? It's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. This is what it means that we have been rescued and made new and brought into this new family. And so maybe the challenge for you is to go back and read through the first three books of Ephesians. 
first three chapters of Ephesians, right? Read through those again and again. Understand this new identity. Understand what it means, right? Because when we understand that identity, when we understand that we are completely loved by God, right? When we understand how much we are loved by Him and that He has made us new, then we don't have to worry about covering up all our shortcomings. Right? We don't worry about having to defend ourselves and, and, and act out in, in any of those ways because we are loved. We are known and we are children of God. And so when we understand our new identity in Christ, we don't have to lie to cover up, hide, or protect ourselves because we're grounded in the knowledge that we are loved by God. And if we understand our new identity in Christ, we can respond to righteous anger like Christ did. Right? Not by flipping over tables, but by weeping for injustice and being willing to sacrifice ourselves for others. Right? It changes things when we understand who we are. And so as Paul goes through this in Ephesians, as he talks about these things, it's not about don't do this, do this, but this is who you are. And so as, as we leave and as we go through this week, here's, here's the two Two things for you. One, maybe you're, you're one of those people who's like, man, like I need to understand this identity more. Right? Maybe I need to really dig in and understand what God says of me, who I am in Christ, and, 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 and allow him and through his spirit just to begin to transform me so that I can live into this new identity. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the purpose of us as a church, right? is that we are, we are proclaiming Christ, but we are following in his footsteps. We are asking him to transform us and to make us new and to cause us to follow after him. We want to reflect Christ. And so day by day, we're asking the Spirit to work in us, to mold us, to shape us, to chisel off the old man, right? to get rid of the stuff that no longer reflects Christ and cause us to reflect him more. Right, maybe you're standing in that spot where you're like, I, I still, I don't, I don't get it, right? I'm, I'm still in this point of, of balancing these scales and just trying to do it. And, and it really comes down to this. Have you ever come to the point where you have just surrendered and recognized that, that this scale, right? The, these rules I'm trying to follow, I, I can never do enough. I'm never going to measure up. And recognize that you don't have to because Jesus did it for us. And so maybe for you, it's just come to that point where you just come to the point of surrender. Say, Jesus, I need you. Because right? it's not about us in our own power trying to do things right so that we're good. It's recognizing how bad we are and dying to ourselves and allowing Christ to live through us. And really that is, is the purpose of this whole letter. Right? That's, that is what it means to follow Christ. It's to understand our new identity. And as we do that, allow him to work in and through us to mold us into the image of Christ so that we can be uh, reflecting Christ in, in everything we do. And so each of these case studies really just boils down to that point. What's our identity? Do we understand our identity? Are we allowing God to work in and through us? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of being able to come together and to worship you. Uh, we thank you for just the opportunity we have to be uh, your church. And that together we get, we get to chase after you. Uh, we get to encourage one another and challenge one another as we, as we seek to imitate you. 
And Jesus, we pray that, that as your church, that, that we would just understand what you have made us to be. And that together we would just, we would, we would be obedient to follow you, that we would uh, allow your spirit to work in and through us to, to shape us and to mold us to reflect you. And Jesus, as we do that, we pray that we would just proclaim your glory and share the hope of, of what we have found in you. And, 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 and for those who, who are still just trying to figure this out, God, I pray that you would, you would just bring them to a point where they understand their absolute need for you. As we look at these case studies, we're reminded that it's not about how good we are at following rules, but that we just recognize how desperately we need a Savior. And so, Jesus, we stand in awe of you and who you are and what you have done for us, and we worship you, Jesus. Amen. As we wrap up our, our time together this morning, it's, it's so good to, to dig through God's Word. I just want to encourage you to come back next week. Uh, Pastor Matt will be back. We're going to continue working through Ephesians. And, and again, if, if, if you'd like, I would, I would encourage you to, to go and read through the first couple books. I keep saying books. First couple chapters of Ephesians this week. Right? Uh, understand the identity of Christ. I think it's so important that we keep doing that. And, and uh, as we talk about life groups, again, Dave will be out in the lobby. If you're online, you can go to uh, the link and you can check out all the open groups. We want to encourage you to get plugged into groups. Uh, and there's a sermon guide. In, in the sermon guide, if you're in a life group, you can do th this together. Or maybe you're just on your own. There's some just great questions digging through. What does it mean to, to control our tongue? And why do we, why do we struggle with lying? And, and some of those questions about anger. So I encourage you uh, to do those. Like wrestle through those questions. And because as a church, again, we, we want to be, be chasing after Jesus together. And we need one another. We need each other to be pointing out our blind spots, right? We need each other to kind of be picking us up and carrying us along. And so as we leave this place together today and uh, as we go through this week, we want to just encourage one another. And, and we can do that, as, again, as we leave. There's the cafe. There's snacks in the cafe. Stick around. Right? If you're online, you can continue to, to engage with one another online and continue these conversations. Right? What does it mean for us to chase after Jesus? What does it mean for us to be followers of Jesus? How do we reflect him in our lives? We'll see you all next week.